This podcast contains mature content and listener discretion is advised. Also, be advised, we are not medical professionals and this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick, run. And we're in. We're in. Welcome to Mystery Team Inc., the podcast where the points are made up and nothing matters. I'm Maggie. And I'm Kayla. Didn't I do that one? No, we did the real one. What did we say? Oh, where the game's made up and the points don't matter. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I like your take. Nothing matters. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I like your take. I like your take. Thank you. So this is going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. Um, It's just going to be easy, breezy, beautiful, murderful. (laughs) Um, I love that. Before we get into it, um, first I want to say, if you have sent us a a DM Oh my God, this was my business. (laughs) (laughs) I have a note. (laughs) We are so sorry. We are so behind. We're Um, so behind. We, Kayla and I have both been working full time. And by full time, I mean like 40 or more hours a week. Um, So we have just gotten really behind on listener mail. Um, And if you're like, yeah, that's all well and good. But I wrote you guys back in like May. Like, yes, correct. Like, we're we're so far behind. 100%. We apologize. Um, But I did see one message that I have to give a shout out to. It's from Jerry. Um, you're going to die. Okay, so Jerry said, Hey, so I was just listening to the most recent episode and had a thought. What if you called the drinking game that Amber invented Mystery Team Drink? Why? How did we not think of that? <laughs> doesn't she have the podcast? I know. Like, why, why are we the ones we, with the podcast? <laughs> All right, Jerry. So it's pretty simple. You just go to Wikipedia and yeah. write down what it, it they have to say. <laughs> Jerry, you can take over from here. Um, yeah, just just Google it and then write it down and mm-hmm. then change it like a book report. Yeah. Um, and then occasionally correct yourself. Uh, don't learn how to pronounce stuff right. Absolutely um, not. Yeah. Super the game's easy. made oh, up and the points don't matter. Definitely don't answer any emails. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't Whatever reply to any do. emails. Uh, that's so good. Okay, that was one piece of business. Okay, that was my piece of business. Great. I should have asked if you had business. That was so rude. Well, I never have business, so to that's be fair. that's fair. And of course, um, the one time I have business, you also have it. <laughs> yeah. I just needn't. I needn't bother. You needn't business. Um, I also have been doing more research about Dorothy Kilgallen for reasons that I shall not explain on the podcast. But um, in Mark Shaw's other book, Denial of Justice, uh, he goes like he adds like more anecdotal things about her that I'm obsessed with. One is that apparently when she 
went to the Lindbergh baby trial and like tapped Bruno Hauptmann on the shoulder and was like asking him about the latter right after it had been introduced into evidence. Apparently Bruno turned around and said to her, the, the guy that made the ladder is a bum carpenter. <laughs> and then his lawyer had to be like, you cannot talk to her. <laughs> um, I love Also that. found out that she ran into a burning building in her full-on gown and saved a baby. <laughs> no. Yes. That's And fake. there's like a report. No, there's a, there's a quote from the woman in the newspaper who's like, she was across the street. She heard the sirens. She ran in and grabbed my son in her gown and came out and carried him across the street to me. What the fuck? So just needed to throw that out there. Ceremonial quacking? Yeah, I have tea. Okay. I'll quack to mystery team drink. (laughs) I'm having a michelada. If you can't make one at home, uh, store-bought is fine. (laughs) Are you ready for a mystery? I am ready for a mystery. This is the disappearance of Walter Collins. Hmm. I know nothing about this. Our story begins with Christine Collins in 1918. Christine Collins and her husband Walter were living in Lincoln Heights, which is in L.A., and she was a manager for a telephone company, and her husband, Walter, worked for the streetcar system. But what she didn't know is that he was hiding a dark secret from her, which is that his real name was Walter Anson, and he was actually a robber and a con man. And in 1918, they had a son named Walter Collins Jr. In the early 20s, Walter Sr. started working for an illegal drinking establishment and then went on to participate in another robbery, and he got caught. So in 1923, he was sent to Folsom State Prison for armed robbery. What was the first robbery? He, had, he committed several robberies. Okay. Remember how I said that, like, he lied and didn't tell her he was a robber? It was He was, like, a career robber. Yeah, okay. You just said another one, and I thought maybe I had missed, like, I had lost time. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He just committed, he just, like, continued to commit robberies. Okay. Christine wrote several letters to the prison board pleading his innocence, and... A letter from a prison board member broke the news to her that this was not his first offense. He had actually served two other prison terms. Um, And in 1925, she wrote back, quote, I was very unaware of Mr. Collins's previous offenses. I was really surprised as well as greatly disappointed. Which is so sad. Meanwhile, Christine was working nights and weekends to support herself and Walter. On Saturday, March 10th, 1928, Christine was called into work. In order to entertain Walter while she was gone, she gave him some pocket money to go to the movies. He put on a red plaid lumber jacket and a gray cap and headed out the door. A neighbor briefly spotted Walter around 5 p.m., but when Christine came home, she found that Walter wasn't home, which was very unlike him, so she called the police. The police heroically leapt into action. Just kidding. The police <laughs> told her. <laughs> you got me. Said no one ever. Um, the police told her that he'd probably turn up and that he, if he, like, he was a runaway. And if he didn't come back in 24 hours, like, call us back. Great. Nailed it. She spent the next 24 hours freaking out. And then she had a brilliant idea. And she called the police. And she was like, hi, my husband's in prison. I think he was kidnapped by one of my 
husband's criminal enemies. And they were like, oh, actually, that's real. And the police heroically leapt into action a full day <laughs> after Walter's disappearance. Uh... Um, they then decided to report the disappearance to the LA Times, hoping that someone who had seen something would see it in the newspaper and call in a tip. Um, but the disappearance immediately caught the nation's attention, which ended up being kind of a problem for the LAPD because the LAPD was already under massive scrutiny because they had very recently failed to stop the murder of a 12-year-old who had been kidnapped and held for ransom. So maybe advertising that they'd lost another child and had no leads was not actually the best PR move. Um, but hundreds of tips came in and... The alleged sightings of Walter went as far north as San Francisco. One tip came from a gas station owner in Glendale who claimed to have seen Walter in the backseat of a car wrapped up in newspaper with only his head exposed. Um, None of them were helpful. Um, The Glendale gas station guy said that the car was being driven by a man accompanied by a woman and that the man looked foreign, quote, probably an Italian. I don't even, I can't, I can't. There's no words. <laughs> the general mood at this point was panic, and they even dragged Lincoln Park Lake. Um, the search went on until August. He disappeared in March. Wow, I'm search surprised went on. they searched that long. I know. The search went on until August, when a boy was found wandering alone in DeKalb, Illinois, and after being picked up by authorities, he admitted to the police that he was Walter Collins. And he exchanged a few letters with Christine, and then Christine paid $70 of her own money to have Walter sent back to L.A. on a train. Why did she have to pay her own money? Because the cops are a nightmare. Wow. I mean, that's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. I, well, it, it, listen, it's about to get a lot more stupider because... <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the cops wait. were involved. So. <laughs> and if you've been playing Mystery Team Drink, you're going to want to take it slow. Yeah. Because <laughs> the cops are in the a, story a lot. A sipping episode, it seems like. <laughs> get yourself a nice whiskey This is a on. sipping episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> get yourself a nice sipping whiskey and water. Actually, get yourself, like a light beer and sip that because that's the only safe way to do this. (laughs) The police, having accomplished nothing, arranged for the press corps to attend the reunion at the train station in hopes that they could take credit for solving the case and also in hopes that a warm, fuzzy human interest story would distract the public from a series of corruption scandals that were plaguing the department at the time because now it was like several months later and they'd moved on from the child they failed to rescue and were now embroiled in a corruption scandal. Wow. When Walter arrived and got off the train, Christine Collins took one look at him and said, I do not think that is my son. Oh my God. Wait, is this the change? It is. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the police thrust him into her arms and Walter, I'm doing heavy air quotes. I you can guys hear can't it. see. I can, hear can you hear the? Yeah, yeah, can I you hear them. the the tildes? <laughs> can you hear the italics? Mm-hmm. Um, Walter, Walter <laughs> flung his arms around Christine, and the flash bulbs popped, and the reporters clamored for a quote. The police told her to smile for the cameras, and she said, "I don't think that's my boy." 
They told her that she was mistaken and said clearly if he recognized her, he was her son. Enter our villain, Captain J.J. Jones, who sounds like a 1920s radio play villain. Yeah, that's Um, no notes. Incredible. Captain J.J. Jones. (laughs) Um, I'm Captain J.J. Jones and that kid's your kid. Um, He told her to take him home and, quote, try him out. Oh, yikes. The newspapers published the photos, including Christine's remarks about how he was not her son. Um, In the paper, they wrote that she was obviously confused, and they said that Walter was emaciated due to his time with the kidnappers, and that's why he looked different and she didn't recognize him. I found an old newspaper from the time, and it said in the subtitle, Lad's physical condition bad, parent at first unable to recognize the child. In the article, they wrote, I do not think that is my boy, were the first words uttered by Mrs. Collins as she was brought face to face with the lad. And Mrs. Collins maintained this attitude for a long time while she and the youth and captain of Detectives Jones talked together. Like literally in the newspaper, they were like, yeah, it's not her kid. Um, But they didn't. They weren't agreeing. Yeah, they were like, like, yeah, it's really so weird. Interesting <laughs> angle to take. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were like, it's so weird. She says it's not her like, kid. And so she kind weird, of felt guys. that way like the whole time. <laughs> like the whole time she was like, it's not my kid. But like he hadn't eaten in a long time. What I like is that like at first she was like, that's not my kid. But by the end, she was like, that's not my kid. <laughs> you know that when I read an old newspaper, I have to tell you like about the other stories. Yeah, no, please. On that page. Please do that. One was about a couple that was trying to elope and their parents caught them because she left a farewell note that was like, we're going to Mexico. Um, And her parents just called the police. (laughs) Why was that Um, in the newspaper? I don't know, but there's a picture of them with like a heart around it and Cupid with like a ball and chain and he like looks all sad. Um, Was this in the LA Times? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Things have changed. Um, I know. And then... uh, yeah, this is from the LA Times on August 19th, 1928. My favorite headline was, Bank Robbery Balked by Girl. And the article reads, Heroically braving a bandit's leveled pistol and threat to kill, Miss R.B. Atkinson, stenographer, frustrated an attempt to rob the Seabird National Bank at 3152 Wilshire Boulevard yesterday by running out of the bank to a cabinet shop next door and phoning the police. The lone bandit, routed by the courageous action of the young woman, fled from the establishment without getting any money. Wow, wait, sorry, 3952 Wilshire? 3152. Oh, I know where this is. Yeah, it's like a complex now. They've replaced it, and it's like, there's like a Starbucks, a Wells Fargo, Fargo. a Fat Burger, a Buffalo Wild Wings is in there, I guess. A hair salon that just says hair salon. (laughs) Yeah. In interviews, Walter shared the story of his abduction, saying he was playing with some other children in a vacant lot near his house when a man approached him and said that he had been sent by Walter's mother. Um, And Walter said, he said my mother had given him $15 to go and buy me a new suit of clothes. So Walter went with him, and he said that the man took him to the home of another woman, and then they all went to Hollywood, where they stayed for a few days, And then the man allegedly told Walter that his mother and father were not his real parents. And he introduced him to a man who he claimed was his real father. 
Um, and then that man took him, quote, way east, getting rides when we could and sometimes riding on trains when daddy had enough money to pay for our fares. He said when they finally reached a cob, he was picked up by the police. I have questions, but I'm going to hold on to them for a moment. Okay. I'm going to write it down then. Good idea. <laughs> for three weeks, Walter lived with Christine. Three weeks. It seemed like Christine was finally accepting that the child was Walter. But what she was actually doing was quietly and systematically gathering evidence to prove that the child was not Walter. After three weeks, Christine showed up at the police department with the receipts. Um, she had his medical records and his dental records. <gasps> oh, she, she was like, good, like a paper receipt. Correct. She was like, first of all, the child in my care has been circumcised and Walter Jr. had not been circumcised. Okay, already Secondly, solid evidence. Correct. Secondly, it's not exactly hearsay. Um, secondly, the dental records proved that Walter Jr. had completely different teeth from the child in her care. And the police were like, oh shit, we're so sorry. We take full responsibility for this. Just kidding. According to court <laughs> testimony, Detective J.J. Jones allegedly said... What are you trying to do? Make fools out of us all? Or are you trying to shirk your duty as a mother and have the state provide for your son? You are the most cruel-hearted woman I have ever known. Once again, no words. No words. And then, because that wasn't enough, they declared her insane. No. And had her committed to a psych ward. Okay, hold on. So if their problem was that they thought she was trying to, like, pawn her child off on the system, then wouldn't committing her <laughs> do that anyway you're so right not only that but then she also becomes like a ward of the state yeah. like it's like creates double of the that's just further proof that that argument though is like it's just such bullshit like the most bullshit argument ever um yeah, yeah. that's un. that's like it's, I mean, I don't think he genuinely believed that. Like, I don't think he really thought that's what she was doing. No. I think he was just trying to cover. But it just shows that, like, even the go-to argument of, like, basically, like, the welfare queen Ronald Reagan attitude, like, even then existed and even then was, like, just as blatantly, obviously wrong. <laughs> um, so bad. It reminds me of that John Mulaney bit where he's, like, talking about an imaginary airline. Let's call them Delta. And yeah. he, like, puts the ticket on. He's like, can I go home, please? And they're like, no. no. In fact, we're going to frame you for murder. Like, that's what they did to her. Yeah. Um, so then the cops did what anyone would do when they know they're telling the truth, which is they sat the boy down for an extensive interview. <laughs> Um, which is how you know they believed they had the right kid. Because after they sent Christine to the psych ward, they were like, let's do one for safety. <laughs> <laughs> they were like no we got it but let's just get one more for safety uh, and the entire crew is like oh, oh my god yeah. <laughs> um so they sat down and this is my favorite part they asked him to give a writing sample which is funny to me for like a nine-year-old because i imagine they look at the paper <laughs> and it's like the cool s that we used to draw in junior high and they're like yep that's a child um <laughs> It's a perfect match. I love the idea of doing a Definitely writing sample a child. to confirm it's a child. <laughs> um, 
But funny story, it I guess it didn't match an extant piece of Walter's handwriting. And so the child wrote a confession, which I have a picture of and will post on the Instagram. And the confession said, I am not Walter Collins. My name is Billy Fields. I said I was Walter Collins because I wanted to get into the movies in Hollywood. Signed, Billy Fields. Mm -mm. (laughs) Correct. How? how Then. Okay. She admitted. She wasn't in the industry, right? No. Okay. No, he's a nine-year-old kid. He thinks that if he goes to Hollywood, he's going to end up in pictures. You know what? In the 20s, maybe that's true. That actually, you know what? You're right. That is true. We wrote a whole script based on that premise. (laughs) You're right. Then he admitted that that was a lie. And he explained that he was really named Danny Osborne. Wait, so that one was a lie too? Yes. And the cops were like, okay, good enough for us. And then he was like, sorry, that was also a lie. And he admitted. Wait, what was the time frame for this? I don't know. I couldn't find out in my research. It was just like, and then he said he lied. And then he said he lied again. And then he said that he lied again. The truth was he was really named Arthur Hutchins Jr. And he was from Marion, Iowa. And ironically, the part about wanting to be in pictures was the only true part of the confession. He admitted to police that he had always dreamed of being in the movies and meeting his idol, Western actor Tom Mix, and he had run away because he wanted to come to Hollywood and meet Tom Mix, and he hated his stepmother, Violet. Um, what and, a good stepmother name. I know. it. Tr- I, that was my literally my exact thought. And God bless author Michelle Morgan, who said, and it seems the feeling was mutual as she had been in no rush to find him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, incredible michelle morgan wrote a book called the mammoth book of hollywood scandals and there's a chapter in it about this and i use that as a reference so the mammoth shout out to her hollywood scandal yeah i think we should read the whole book i would love to read the whole book however violet did come pick up arthur and the two went back to iowa christine meanwhile not only lost her son and was locked in a psych ward but lost her job because of the stigma of being sent to the psych ward and not being able to perform said job in the psych ward. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to Christine, about 45 miles away on a chicken farm in Wineville, a sinister plot was unraveling. No, we hate those. On August 31st, 1928, two immigration services inspectors arrived at the chicken ranch owned by Gordon Northcott and his mother, Louise. They were met by Gordon's 15-year-old nephew, Sanford Clark, who also lived on the farm. And what they didn't know is that Gordon Northcott and his mother, Sarah Louise, had run into the tree line and were not coming back. And the LAPD was about to make a grisly discovery. And that's where we will pick back up after the break. No! Why did Mm -hmm. the cops show up to the farm? Well, we're going to talk about that after the break. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's now okay. I'm excited. All right, we'll be right back. Okay. After these messages. Okay. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. We're back. Welcome back to Mystery Team Inc. Tonight on Soothing Existential Nighttime Radio. Why? You know, like, why? And later, take a big sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Take a big sleep. Just go to sleep. We have fun. I want to take a big sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Um... Yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, so there was this child. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. all I've got. I have a bad memory. That's all I told you, I think. Just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I remember. Gordon Northcott was raised in British Columbia, Canada, and moved to Los Angeles with his parents in 1924. When he was 19 in 1926, he asked his dad to buy him a plot of land in Wineville, where he could build a chicken ranch. Gordon's 13-year-old nephew, Sanford Clark, came from Canada to help Gordon on the farm. In 1928, Sanford's 19-year-old sister, Jessie, came to visit him because the letters he had been writing home seemed suspicious to her and she was worried about his welfare. When she visited, Sanford told her the truth about what had been going on in the farm. She played dumb and left a few days later And when she got home, she and her mother immediately informed the authorities. Wait. When officials showed up in September of 1928, (laughs) Sanford refused to tell them anything until he was sure that Gordon was gone. And then he told them this harrowing story. (gasps) Content warning and trigger warning for sexual abuse of children. As soon as Sanford arrived at the farm, Gordon Northcott immediately started sexually and physically abusing him. According to Sanford, Gordon Northcott would go into town and abduct young boys, using Sanford as bait to make the boys feel like it was safe. He would sexually abuse them and then kill them using a gun or an axe. He would then dissolve their bodies in quicklime and bury any leftover remains. He would often do this in front of Sanford and sometimes force him to participate at gunpoint. Allegedly, he would keep the boys in the chicken coop. And that is why this story is called The Wineville Chicken Coop Murders. Jesus fucking Christ. Gordon Northcott's known victims included a young boy who Gordon claimed was named Alvin Gothea, whose body was found, but he was never definitively positively identified. His victims also included the Winslow brothers, Lewis and Nelson Winslow, and possibly Walter Collins. According to Sanford's testimony, Gordon kidnapped Walter and was keeping him in the chicken coop. When Gordon's mother, Sarah Louise, found Walter at the ranch and realized that Gordon was keeping him hostage, Allegedly, according to Sanford's testimony, she convinced Gordon to kill him to prevent him from getting away and telling the authorities. According to his court testimony, he killed Walter while he slept in the chicken coop. 
In May of 1928, the Winslow boys, aged 10 and 12, went missing while walking home, and according to Sanford, they were also killed at the ranch. On August 31st, officials arrived at the Northcott Chicken Ranch. On September 13th, Christine Collins was released from the psych board. On September 17th, officials returned to the ranch with Sanford, and he showed them where they buried the victims. And when officials dug there, they found fragments of human bone. They also found the bloody axe and a few personal items that appeared to have belonged to the Winslow boys, but nothing that was clearly connected to Walter. Hmm. On September 19th, Gordon and his mother were apprehended in British Columbia and taken into custody. Gordon's mother, Sarah Louise Northcott, possibly in an effort to protect Gordon, confessed to killing Walter Collins. Gordon Northcott admitted to killing five boys, but he later retracted his statement. He would later go on to say that he killed as many as 20, but he also uh, went back and forth and sort of like retracted his statements frequently. Sarah Louise also retracted her statement, but at trial, she pled guilty to the murder of Walter Collins and was found guilty and given a life sentence. Even though, according to Stanford, that's not what happened um, if Walter was there. During his trial, Gordon Northcott denied having killed any of the boys, but he was still found guilty of the murder of the boy who he referred to as Alvin Gothea and the Winslow boys, and he was sentenced to death. After his sentencing, but before his execution, um, Nelson Winslow Sr. led a mob to the prison with the intention of hanging Gordon Northcott themselves and only left after police convinced the mob to disband. Why did they do that? Because they wanted to kill that guy. But he was getting killed. <laughs> Christine came to meet with Gordon Northcott while he was awaiting his execution. Interesting. She is like, she blows my mind. When she asked him if he killed her son, he reportedly said, I did not kill your boy. And apparently the meeting they had ended with Christine telling him that she believed that Walter was still alive. Interesting. Uh Christine sued Captain J.J. Jones. Nice. And, <laughs> nice. And <laughs> two days before Gordon's execution, she won her case and was awarded over $10,000 in damages by the judge, close to $150,000 in today's money. But um, Christine told reporters that she hadn't pursued the money for herself, but that she had never been satisfied with. Gordon Northcott's confession and said, quote, I intend to spend the money obtained in this judgment on seeing my lost son if he lives. Shortly before the execution, Gordon sent a telegram to Christine Collins saying that he would tell her the truth if she would come to visit him. She arrived just hours before his execution. But when she arrived, he said, I don't want to see you. And when she confronted him, he said, I don't know anything about it. I'm innocent. Fucking dick. A news account said, The distraught woman was outraged by Northcott's conduct, but was also comforted by it. Northcott's ambiguous replies and his seeming refusal to remember such details as Walter's clothing and the color of his eyes gave her continued hope that her son still lived. 
Gordon Northcott was executed on October 2nd, 1930. Captain J.J. Jones never paid out for the settlement. And Christine never received any compensation. (gasps) She continued to campaign for her husband's release from Folsom until he died in 1932 of atrophy of the liver brought on by jaundice. And Christine quietly spent the rest of her life searching for her son until she died in 1964. Oh, my God. Wineville, California, changed its name after the whole scandal to Miraloma, which is like 45 minutes away from where we live. In which direction? East. East. Sanford Clark was sentenced to spend five years at the Whittier State School, which was a youth correctional facility that was focused on rehabilitation. He was there for 23 months, and he was basically released for good behavior and deported back to Canada. Um, And he went on to serve in World War II. And then a piece of good news, he spent 28 years working for the Canadian Postal Service. He and his wife, June, were married for 55 years, during which they adopted and raised two sons. And he passed away in 1991. Oh. I mean, yeah, like, he had to pass away eventually, but, like, he lived a pretty good life, actually, outside of the horrible trauma from his early years. Um, And that is the story of Walter Collins and the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. That's so fucking insane. I know. And so does anyone have any ideas about what happened to Walter Collins like is the consensus that he was killed at the farm there's kind of two camps I would say the broader consensus is that he was killed at the farm um but there's also there are also some things like there no one was ever able to find any definitive evidence that he was there um the evidence of the Winslow boys was like more obvious I read in one source that there was a like a library book there that had been checked out to one of the Wilson children. Um, mm. And they didn't find anything like that of Walter's. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think personally there's like a solid possibility that he died at the ranch. Um, I, w- I lean that direction. Um, but Christine never believed that. And Gordon went back and forth about whether or not it happened. Sanford said that he recognized him. Um, I believe Sanford. I think he's like a reliable narrator. Yeah. I also think there are like some killers where because they're so mouthy about what they do, you can pretty much trust if they're like, I didn't do this one. Yeah. If they're like, I did these 30, but That's not true. this one. But because Gordon was so wishy-washy was yeah yeah he was like so wishy-washy that I I just like I don't believe I don't and the fact it, that yeah. he like called her right before his execution and then he was like I don't want to see you like he's just playing games 100% I don't believe him also I think this is the murder farm that finally made me scared of farms oh this is the one that did it like I can like how many murder farms can you name off the top of your head just the one no I, really that's not true oh, at all. Bell Gunnis. <gasps> I forgot Bell was Robert in Picton, Murder Farm. Oh, right. Uh, this is, Hinter Kafek doesn't really count because it was people that were murdered at a farm, not a firm farm that was used in service of murder, but I'm still going to count it as a murder farm. That's the one I was going to say. 
I'm just saying, like, there are so many murder farms. And I think that, like, this was, like, the... It's not that this murder farm is scarier than any of the others. I think the one that's, like, scariest to me is probably Robert Picton or Belle Gunness. But I think it just, like, I... It just, like, finally rolled over to the number at which I was, like, okay, now I know more farms I'm scared of than farms I'm not scared of. And now I'm scared of farms. (laughs) I have a question for you. Yeah. What farms do you know that you're not scared of? (laughs) Because do you know any farms? No. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I think I'm scared of farms now. So thanks for that podcast. Um, (laughs) Thanks for that, Mystery Team Inc. I will never get over the kid who is basically like, Hey, lady, if the pigs say I'm your kid, I'm your kid. (laughs) And the, the cops were what like... What happened to him? Did he make it into the pictures? No, he went home to Iowa. Remember Violet came and got him finally. Oh, yeah. She finally, so finally cared and came and got him. Uh, she was probably like, couldn't hack it in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, rent here is crazy. <laughs> this was a very good mystery. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I thought it would be interesting to learn about the changeling. And thank you for listening. Thank you for bringing us that story. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. Fuckle the buck up. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Smooches. I haven't smooched in like three episodes. I know. You let me do it one time and I just went crazy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.